Section 17 of the Underground Railroad, Part 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part 3 by William Still. Section 17. William and Ellen Craft, Part 2. Ellen first received information that the slave-hunters from Georgia were after her through Mrs. George S. Hilliard of Boston, who had been a good friend to her from the day of her arrival from slavery. How Mrs. Hilliard obtained the information, the impression it made on Ellen, and where she was secreted, the following extract of a letter written by Mrs. Hilliard touching the memorable event will be found deeply interesting. In regard to William and Ellen Craft, it is true that we received her at our house when the first warrant under the Act of 1850 was issued. Dr. Bowditch called upon us to say that the warrant must be for William and Ellen, as they were the only fugitives here known to have come from Georgia, and the doctor asked what we would do. I went to the house of the Rev. F. T. Gray on Mount Vernon Street, where Ellen was working with Miss Dean, an upholsteress, a friend of ours, who had told us she would teach Ellen her trade. I proposed to Ellen to come and do some work for me, not intending to alarm her. My manner, which I supposed to be indifferent and calm, betrayed me, and she threw herself into my arms, sobbing and weeping. She, however, recovered her composure as soon as we reached the street, and was very firm ever after. My husband wished her by all means to be brought to our house and to remain under his protection saying, I am perfectly willing to meet the penalty should she be found here, but will never give her up. The penalty, you remember, was six months' imprisonment and a thousand dollars' fine. William Craft went, after a time, to Lewis Hayden. He was at first, as Dr. Bowditch told us, barricaded in his shop on Cambridge Street. I saw him there, and he said, Ellen must not be left at your house. Why, William, I said, do you think we would give her up? Never, said he, but Mr. Hilliard is not only our friend, but he is a U.S. commissioner, and should Ellen be found in his house, he must resign his office as well as incur the penalty of the law, and I will not subject a friend to such a punishment for the sake of our safety. Was not this noble, when you think how small was the penalty that any one could receive for aiding slaves to escape, compared to the fate which threatened them in case they were captured? William C. made the same objection to having his wife taken to Mr. Ellis Gray Loring's, he also being a friend and a commissioner. This deed of humanity and Christian charity is worthy to be commemorated and classed with the act of the Good Samaritan, as the same spirit is shown in both cases. Often was Mrs. Hilliard's house an asylum for fugitive slaves. After the hunters had left the city in dismay, and the storm of excitement had partially subsided, the friends of William and Ellen concluded that they had better seek a country where they would not be in daily fear of slave-catchers, backed by the government of the United States. They were therefore advised to go to Great Britain. Outfits were liberally provided for them, passages procured, and they took their departure for a habitation in a foreign land much might be told concerning the warm reception they met with from the friends of humanity on every hand during a stay in england of nearly a score of years but we feel obliged to make the following extract suffice 
Extract of a letter from William Farmer, Esquire, of London, to William Lloyd Garrison, June 26, 1851, Fugitive Slaves at the Great Exhibition. Fortunately, we have at the present moment in the British metropolis some specimens of what were once American chattels personal in the persons of William and Ellen Craft and William W. Brown, and their friends resolved that they should be exhibited under the world's huge glass case in order that the world might form its opinion of the alleged mental inferiority of the African race and their fitness or unfitness for freedom. A small party of anti-slavery friends was accordingly formed to accompany the fugitives through the exhibition. Mr. and Mrs. Estlin of Bristol and a lady friend, Mr. and Mrs. Richard Webb of Dublin and a son and daughter, Mr. Macdonnell, a most influential member of the Executive Committee of the National Reform Association, one of our unostentatious but highly efficient workers for reform in this country, and whose public and private acts, if you were acquainted with, you would feel the same esteem and affection for him as is felt towards him by Mr. Thompson, myself, and many others. These ladies and gentlemen, together with myself, met at Mr. Thompson's house, and in company with Mrs. Thompson and Miss Amelia Thompson, the Crafts, and Brown, proceeded from thence to the exhibition. Saturday was selected as a day upon which the largest number of the aristocracy and wealthy classes attend the Crystal Palace, and the company was on this occasion the most distinguished that had been gathered together within its walls since its opening day. Some fifteen thousand, mostly of the upper classes, were there congregated, including the queen prince albert and the royal children the anti-slavery duchess of sutherland by whom the fugitives were evidently favorably regarded the duke of wellington the bishops of winchester and st asaph a large number of peers peeresses members of parliament merchants and bankers and distinguished men from almost all parts of the world surpassing in variety of tongue character and costume the description of the population of jerusalem on the day of pentecost a season of which it is hoped the great exhibition will prove a type in the copious outpouring of the holy spirit of brotherly union and the consequent diffusion throughout the world of the anti-slavery gospel of good will to all men in addition to the american exhibitors it so happened that the american visitors were particularly numerous among whom the experienced eyes of brown and the crafts enabled them to detect slaveholders by the dozens mr macdonnell escorted mrs craft and mrs thompson miss thompson at her own request took the arm of william wells brown whose companion she elected to be for the day william craft walked with miss amelia thompson and myself this arrangement was purposely made in order that there might be no appearance of patronizing the fugitives but that it might be shown that we regard them as our equals and honored them for their heroic escape from slavery quite contrary to the feeling of ordinary visitors the american department was our chief attraction upon arriving at powers's greek slave our glorious anti-slavery friend punch's virginia slave was produced i hope you have seen this production of our great humorous moralist it is an admirably drawn figure of a female slave in chains with the inscription beneath the virginia slave a companion for powers's greek slave the comparison of the two soon drew a small crowd including several americans around and near us although they refrained from any audible expression of feeling 
the object of the comparison was evidently understood and keenly felt it would not have been prudent in us to have challenged in words an anti-slavery discussion in the world's convention but everything that we could with propriety do was done to induce them to break silence upon the subject we had no intention verbally of taking the initiative in such a discussion we confined ourselves to speaking at them in order that they might be led to speak to us but our efforts were of no avail the gauntlet which was unmistakably thrown down by our party the americans were too wary to take up we spoke among each other of the wrongs of slavery it was in vain we discoursed freely upon the iniquity of a professedly christian republic holding three millions of its population in cruel and degrading bondage you might as well have preached to the winds william wells brown took punch's virginia slave and deposited it within the enclosure by the greek slave saying audibly as an american fugitive slave i place this virginia slave by the side of the greek slave as its most fitting companion not a word or reply or remonstrance from yankee or southerner we had not however proceeded many steps from the place before the virginia slave was removed we returned to the statue and stood near the american by whom it had been taken up to give him an opportunity of making any remarks he chose upon the matter whatever were his feelings his policy was to keep his lips closed if he had felt that the act was wrongful would he not have appealed to the sense of justice of the british bystanders who are always ready to resist an insult offered to a foreigner in this country if it was an insult why not resent it as became high-spirited americans but no the chivalry of the south tamely allowed itself to be plucked by the beard the garrulity of the north permitted itself to be silenced by three fugitive slaves we promenaded the exhibition between six and seven hours and visited nearly every portion of the vast edifice among the thousands whom we met in our perambulations who dreamed of any impropriety in a gentleman of character and standing like mr macdonnell walking arm in arm with a colored woman or an elegant and accomplished young lady like miss thompson daughter of the hon george thompson m c becoming the promenading companion of a colored man did the english peers or peeresses not the most aristocratic among them did the representatives of any other country have their notions of propriety shocked by the matter none but americans to see the arm of a beautiful english young lady passed through that of a nigger taking ices and other refreshments with him upon terms of the most perfect equality certainly was enough to rile and evidently did rile the slaveholders who beheld it but there was no help for it even the new york broadway bullies would not have dared to utter a word of insult much less lift a finger against william wells brown when walking with his fair companion in the world's exhibition it was a circumstance not to be forgotten by these southern bloodhounds probably for the first time in their lives they felt themselves thoroughly muzzled they dared not even to bark much less bite like the meanest curs they had to sneak through the crystal palace unnoticed and uncared for while the victims who had been rescued from their jaws were warmly greeted by visitors from all parts of the country brown and the crafts have paid several other visits to the great exhibition in one of which william craft succeeded in getting some southerners out upon the fugitive slave bill respecting which a discussion was held between them in the american department finding themselves worsted at every point 
they were compelled to have recourse to lying, and unblushingly denied that the bill contained the provisions which Kraft alleged it did. Kraft took care to inform them who and what he was. He told them that there had been too much information upon that measure diffused in England for lying to conceal them. He has subsequently met the same parties, who, with contemptible hypocrisy, treated the nigger with great respect. In England the Crafts were highly respected. While under her British Majesty's protection, Ellen became the mother of several children, having had none under the Stars and Stripes. These they spared no pains in educating for usefulness in the world. Some two years since, William and Ellen returned with two of their children to the United States and after visiting Boston and other places, William concluded to visit Georgia, his old home, with a view of seeing what inducement war had opened up to enterprise, as he had felt a desire to remove his family thither if encouraged. Indeed, he was prepared to purchase a plantation if he found matters satisfactory. This visit evidently furnished the needed encouragement, judging from the fact that he did purchase a plantation somewhere in the neighborhood of Savannah, and is at present living there with his family. The portraits of William and Ellen represent them at the present stage of life as citizens of the U.S. Of course they have greatly changed in appearance from what they were when they first fled from Georgia. Obviously the fugitive slave law, in its crusade against William and Ellen Craft, reaped no advantages, but on the contrary liberty was greatly the gainer. End of section 17